For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We know that American soccer players are playing for some of the top clubs in the world, but how much do they actually get paid? And relative to other sports, how much do they actually get paid? And how does it work with different clubs in different countries? How do the MLS guys compare to some of the European guys? There's a lot of interesting things about this that I think you're going to be very surprised. I know that I certainly was. Now, I know that there's a lot of people out there that are not comfortable discussing money. This video is probably not for you if that's the case. But if you're asking why even talk about this, I think one of the most important building blocks in all of European soccer is the economic side of things. And I so often hear people talk about potential transfers or maybe this player should move to this club or that club, whenever it really doesn't make any financial sense considering how much money the club actually has and how much they actually pay players. It's like this piece of knowledge that even the most ardent soccer fans are completely in the dark about. So hopefully in going through how much the American soccer players get paid, we'll also be exposed to the global economic soccer marketplace as it pertains to American soccer players. All that more on this episode of The Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Yank Report, a show about all things American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you really want to support the channel, you can become a member. You can support the channel directly that way. So thank you to all the members out there. Before we get into the highest paid player on the U.S. men's national team, let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So let's get right into it. Now, there's a few things I want to lay out before we we really jump in. Uh, first of all, we're going to be using a website called Cat Biology, which has this j- tremendous uh, resource of just about all the salaries for all the players in the world. Um, now, they do have some salaries that are verified that's indicated by a green check mark, and others that are unverified. Uh, so for the unverified ones, we will compare them with salaries found in other places um, just to kind of give us an idea, a little bit better concept of, of what we're looking at. Another thing to point out, I couldn't find any information on Brendan Aronson's salary, so I have no idea how much that guy's getting paid. We can make some guesses about how much he's getting paid, but I, I really don't know. And of course, the amount shown on the screen is not the absolute amount that the player is getting paid. There's also bonuses, there's endorsements, there's money from the national team. There's all kinds of sources of money that these players players are receiving um, that are not shown in their salary. And of course, every salary is going to be um, taxed. So this is not a representation of what they actually make as well. So all all this is really doing is giving us a a ballpark uh, idea of, of kind of how different salaries work for different players at different player levels and different countries and different clubs. Um, and I think it gives us a great look at that. So let's start with Christian Pulisic. 
He is the highest paid player on the U.S. men's national team, coming in at a very impressive $9.5 million. Uh, But when we actually look at Chelsea, which Chelsea is, we know they're one of the um, bigger spending clubs in the world. Uh, $9.5 million is not even one of the top 10 salaries at Chelsea. Christian Pulisic is in the top 15-ish, but he's not, uh, he's right outside the top 10, which kind of shows why He's often passed over at his club. If we see at the top, Raheem Sterling coming in at $20.7 million is the highest paid player for Chelsea, which goes to show why um, he might get a little bit more benefit of the doubt whenever it comes to playing time over someone like Christian Pulisic. Another interesting thing is Mason Mount is still on a fairly low salary um, at $5 million compared to his output. Uh, he's in uh, contract negotiations right now. I know he recently turned out a deal to pay him uh, $200 K a week, which would put him pretty high up in the Chelsea um, on the Chelsea squad, but he's still looking for more. Um, another, but another important thing here is I know during the transfer window, a lot of people were connecting Christian Pulisic to Leeds, saying he should go to Leeds. I want to jump to Leeds and just show you guys the difference between Leeds and Chelsea. Um, I mean, we saw Leeds is sitting on an $18 million payroll, $18.5 million payroll compared to Chelsea, which was way into the hundreds of millions. But Leeds' highest paid player is Rodrigo, sitting at $3.6 million. So in order for Christian Pulisic to go to a team like Leeds, he would either be far and away the highest paid player at the club. Remember, they're sitting on a base salary of uh, an annual payroll of $18.5 million. So Christian would represent a 50% increase in their um, annual salary if he came to the club and maintained his same salary. Or he would have to see its huge decline in his salary. And that's just not something most people are willing to do, um, cut their salary in half to go to go some other place. Um, another team that he was connected to was Newcastle. If we jump over to Newcastle, um, it's a little bit different, but kind of similar. So their highest paid player, uh, Alexander Isak, is at $7.6 million. So once again, Christian, if he maintained his current salary, would be the highest paid player at the club by a couple million. Um, so it's, it just kind of shows that maybe these transfers were not quite as feasible as everybody thought they'd be, unless Christian was willing to pay, take a pay cut. But I don't, I mean, he's still got two more years on his deal and I know he believes in himself. So maybe that was not as as easy a deal as people made it out to be. At number two, I know you may be thinking, you know, Weston McKinney play, plays at Juventus. He probably makes a ton of money. Tyler Adams just made a big transfer. Is it him? There's some other guys out there. It's actually Serginho Dest. And there's some interesting things to say about Serginho Dest. Whenever we check out Capology for AC Milan, Serginho Dest is listed as the highest paid player at AC Milan at $6.2 million. If that sounds a little bit funny to you, it's probably because it's probably inaccurate. I don't think the Serginho Dest was brought in to be the backup right back and also the highest paid player at the club. I think this 6.2 was what uh, Serginho Dest was making at Barcelona. And now uh, the, the, the salaries that I'm seeing is, is probably 3.8. And if we look at um, AC Milan's club, 3.8 is where the two right backs are in the club anyway. So it makes a lot of sense that that's what the, the, pay, the pay that he would be on. It makes sense within the context of the club that he'd be like, you know, the 12th highest paid player at the club. So I'm assuming that it's actually 3.8. 
But at 3.8, he is still the second highest paid American player. At number three is another player that we don't have his exact salary, but we got a pretty good idea, and that is Tyler Adams. Now, Tyler Adams made the big move to Leeds uh, over from RB Leipzig. Capology doesn't actually have his salary in there, but from other sources, we can glean that his salary is probably around $3.6 million per year. And if we look at Leeds, $3.6 million would put him roughly as one of the highest paid players at the club, which kind of makes sense considering the fact that Tyler Adams arrived from RB Leipzig and just has not been removed from the starting lineup ever since. So Tyler Adams at 3.6 was the third highest paid American player. If I were to guess, I would say Brendan Aronson is somewhere in this ballpark as well, considering the $30 million that he came in for. Uh, but he could be paid lower because he's p- coming from a lower esteemed club um, than Tyler Adams was. So therefore, he couldn't command as much money as Tyler Adams potentially could. But I would have a feeling that Brendan Aronson is around that $3 million mark as well. At number four and five, we actually have a tie at $3.3 million. And it, it's a bit of surprise to me because we have Weston McKinney of Juventus and Chris Richards of Crystal Palace. Now let's start with Chris Richards because he's he's kind of a surprise at this position at $3.3 million. Now if we dig behind the numbers, we see that Crystal Palace is actually sitting firmly mid-table as far as Premier League Club's annual salaries. They are sitting at $63 million, uh, which is pretty nice, relatively speaking, in in the international soccer world. When we check out their club, they don't really have Chris Richards' salary listed. However, uh, other places around the internet are pretty confident that he's at $3.3 million, and it makes a little bit of sense when we check out the club, because $3.3 million would put him um, maybe not in the top 12, top 11, but certainly in the top 15. If if they see Chris Richards as a project, as a player that could potentially become their starting center back in a few years, it makes a little bit of sense that he would be, I guess, one of the mid-tier to lower mid-tier paid players at the club. Now, a completely different story is being told over at Juventus. Weston McKinney is also sitting on 3.3 million. First of all, we see that, you know, Crystal Palace's annual payroll was $60 million roughly per year. Uh, Juventus is sitting at 150 50 million dollars annually per year in salary um and we see whenever we look for weston mckinney we have to scroll pretty far down the list before we find weston mckinney weston mckinney is is i guess in the middle to lower middle um salary range for juventus um he it's it's very odd to whenever you look at this list to to think about how much playing time weston mckinney receives relative to where his um, his salary is. I think it helps tell the story, knowing how many injuries Juventus has had over the last few seasons, why, why Wes has been there. It also goes to show why Wes is um, just always um, a, a target for transfer fodder, because I think that Wes could be being paid a lot more than this um, and could be a big building block for a lot of sides around the world. And it seems like Juventus is just more interested in going after um, $10 million players as opposed to somebody like Wes McKinney, who's probably more of like a $6 million player if he's being fa- play- paid fairly. I'm guessing. I think he's he's around that mark, maybe five to $6 million. Um, so I, I think Wes could get that if he goes somewhere else. But right now he's sitting at 3.3, fairly low on the chart for Juventus, 
considering the amount of playing time that he actually receives. I really hope that as we're going through this, you guys are like visualizing who you think the top paid guys are and, and having it compared to the, what the reality actually is. I know I was surprised going through this. Uh, the next player on the list is is one I wasn't expecting. It's actually Zach Steffen. Uh, Zach Steffen transferred to uh, Middlesbrough. He's or he's on loan to Middlesbrough, I should say. Um, one thing to check out here: Middlesbrough, I guess, is like a, a mid to upper table championship team, and their annual payroll is uh, ten million, ten point five million per year. So relative to Juventus, I mean, that's infinite. It's just tiny. That's about a sixth of what Crystal Palace is actually paying players. Um, so consider that. When we look at Crystal Palace's um, players, Zach Steffen is actually the highest paid player at the club at $2.9 million. I was pretty shocked to see this, so I, I did a little bit more digging. It turns out Zach Steffen has actually taken a substantial pay cut to go to Crystal Palace. He was on $4.1 million at Manchester City and is now sitting at $2.9 million. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant swing of, uh, I mean, more than a million dollars um, lost in, in in salary to go to the... Um, the championship, but I guess that's either either Zach Steffen really believed in himself or there's something going on here whenever there's loan moves where maybe the parent club is supplementing the salary or something like that that we don't know that's not being recorded by Capology. I don't know. All I can say is they have Zach Steffen at 2.9 million, which is pretty, pretty nice for Zach Steffen. At number seven, we have another unconfirmed salary, and that happens to be the Wonderkin Gio Reyna, the guy who everybody's talking about right now. We head over to Borussia Dortmund. We notice that Borussia Dortmund has an annual payroll of $91 million, which is more than Crystal Palace, but not nearly as much as Juventus or Chelsea. Um, so something to keep in mind there about where they kind of sit in the world. Uh, we see with Borussia Dortmund, they have some really high paid players, guys, well into the tens of millions of dollars. Uh, but we have to scroll kind of far before we get to where they project Gio Reyna at, where they project Gio Reyna at is 136000 per year, which is kind of laughable at this point. So whenever we actually look at it, Gio Reyna sitting at $2.7 million would put him... I, I guess in the in the lower tier of starting players on the squad, um, which at first kind of seems a little weird. Like you would think that Gio Reyna would be making more than that, but you also got to consider that uh, before he signed the 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 latest contract, um, he was playing a lot then, but he hasn't really played much in the last two years. Um, whenever he does play, I think his play deserves more than that, but. He just hasn't been on the field much at all. Next up at number eight, at $2.2 million, we have the goalkeeper, Matt Turner. Let's take a look at Arsenal. First of all, Arsenal's annual payroll at $91 million, which is roughly the same of Borussia Dortmund. Uh, so it's pretty wild that they're actually number one in the Premier League right now, um, considering that the teams above them have a significant financial advantage. If we check out the payroll for Arsenal, we got to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And then boom, there he is, Matt Turner in all of his glory, one of the least paid players on Arsenal. But then again, he came in as the backup keeper. So it's something you would kind of expect. And another interesting tidbit about how much Matt Turner is being paid right now his contract in MLS was 375k per year. So he's getting a bump from 375k to 2.2 million. So even though he's one of the lowest paid players at Arsenal, he's getting a significant significant salary increase, a significant quality of life increase. So I mean that's 
that just goes to show what what the difference can be whenever you sign one of these big time contracts with one of these big time clubs. Next up at $2 million, it is two center backs, but is it the two center backs you're expecting? I don't know. The first one is Walker Zimmerman and the second one is John Brooks. Let's take a look at Walker Zimmerman first. Walker Zimmerman, of course, plays for Nashville in MLS. If we take a look at the annual payroll for Nashville, they're right at $10.5 million, so which would put them squarely the same as uh, Middlesbrough over in the championship. Uh, if we take a look at who they're paying and how much, Walker Zimmerman is the highest paid player at Nashville, sitting at $2 million. Uh, So congratulations to Walker Zimmerman for that. I I don't think that coming into this, I expected uh, an MLS player to be in the top 10 of the highest paid players uh, in the U.S. men's national team. It does go to show the financial power of some of these MLS clubs that they can compete um, with pretty with high level clubs out there. I mean, we just said um, the annual payroll for Nashville is 10 million, which is the same as Middlesbrough. Um, So they're competing with championship clubs um, as far as their annual payroll, which is something I wasn't expecting. Speaking of things I was not expecting, John Brooks at $2 million is one that absolutely floored me. Now, it's not one that is uh, verified in uh, capology. So I had to go around the internet to kind of find this, but people seem to be um, pretty convinced that John Brooks is making $2 million over at Benfica. Uh, Let's take a look at Benfica. First of all, one of the Portuguese giants, they're sitting at $23 million annually in payroll. Um, Looking at Benfica, having John at $2 million would put him, I would say, right outside of the top 11 as far as highest paid players on the team, which is I mean, it's interesting considering only that he hasn't played at all really since they brought him in. I mean, he was on a free transfer, which makes you think maybe uh, because they didn't have to pay a transfer, they gave him a little bit more money in salary, maybe. But whenever you look at their club, I mean, he's one of the higher paid players on the club. And and to have someone making $2 million a year to just not see the field at all is, is really interesting to me. So kudos to John Brooks for getting that $2 million per year from Benfica considering the amount of time he's actually played. Next up, we have another tie at 11, 12, 13, and 14. We have four players who I know that you are not expecting who they are. They are Tim Ream, Darlington Nagby, Jedi Robinson, and Jordan P. Fox. So let's jump in first with the two Fulham players. We'll check out Fulham. Fulham has an annual payroll of $40 million, which is going to be four times as much as Middlesbrough and Nashville. When we look at their actual payroll, we have to scroll, 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 scroll. And I guess in like the top 15 or so, uh, we have Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson, both at $1.7 million. Um, interesting. You know, there's players on the squad making a lot more considering that Tim Ream's the captain and is an every game player. And so is Anthony Robinson. It is interesting, you know, that these players, you would think that, you know, especially Anthony Robinson could potentially be making a lot more somewhere else. Um, But I guess it's befitting of of players on on like a yo-yo team. Um, I know Anthony Robinson is one of these guys that a lot of people think just can be one of these top left backs in the world. But I think we really saw kind of the the top end level of Anthony get exposed a little bit of uh, in the World Cup. He's really great at getting up and down the touchline. He's he's solid in defense. Um, he's he's really fast. But whenever it comes to um, his his passing, his combination play, um, kind of his soccer IQ in the final third and really working in the buildup, 
he lacks a lot of that. I think we saw that get exposed in the World Cup. Whenever you think of players who are fullbacks at that next tier in soccer, the guys who are making three, four, five, six million dollars a year, uh, guys like Serginho Dest, and and of course guys like I don't know Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, um, they're much more composed in the possession side of game of the game. They're much better with their passing. They're more accurate with their crosses. They're better at taking players on in the final third. That's really the difference between Anthony Robinson and some of these top guys. The big shock here was Darlington Nagby. And I know I kind of cheated putting him in here because he's not really a U.S. men's national team player. But I wanted him in here just to kind of show the reality of where MLS salaries are at relative to some of these top players um, at, at top clubs. 1.76 1.76 for Darlington Nagby, and he's not even the highest paid player on Columbus Crew. There's two guys making more than him. Um, so we see Columbus Crew with $16 million annual payroll. So that, I mean, they're $6 million more than Middlesbrough. They're $6 million more than uh, Nashville. Um, so, I mean, they're they're a bigger club than you might think over in Columbus Crew. Last but not least, Jordan Pifak. Now, the first thing to point out here looking at Union Berlin is that Union Berlin has an annual payroll of $12.3 million, which is actually less than Columbus Crew that we just looked at. A little bit more, $2 million more than Nashville. Um, so that's really interesting. A little bit more than Middlesbrough. So that's about where some of these lower tier um, Bundesliga clubs are actually at relative to MLS clubs. If we look at this, Jordan's uh, pay, Jordan's pay is actually unconfirmed, but they have him right at 1.8 as well. So we have 1.7. They have 1.8. I found 1.7 at other places on the internet. It makes a little sense because he was the big transfer coming in and the guy expected to score goals. But this is unconfirmed. But I, I think... I feel strongly that he's right around 1.7. At number 15, it's another center back, but not one I was expecting at all. It is actually Matt Miazga, the favorite player of the straight red card over at FC Cincinnati. Let's take a look at FC Cincinnati. They're actually sitting on a $12 million annual payroll, which is roughly the same as what we just saw over at Union Berlin. When we take a look at their salaried players, uh, Matt Miazga is the third highest paid player at $1.4 million per year. Pretty nice money for Matt Miazga. Uh, I mean, considering that Tim Ream is in the Premier League and he's getting paid 1.7, Matt Miazga is not too much further behind him and he's playing at uh, Cincinnati and MLS. So, wow, I mean, pretty nice money for Matt Miazga. If you've gotten this far in the video, I know there's you're thinking like there's like genuine starters for the national team that we haven't even talked about. And then there's guys that didn't even contribute to Burhalter's uh, 26 throughout World Cup qualifying that are getting paid significantly more than some of our top guys, which is absolutely fascinating. But when we get to 1.3, Maybe, maybe this will blow your mind a little bit because at 1.3, it's actually all three of the strikers that we took to the World Cup. Josh Sargent, Jesus Ferreira, and Haji Wright. Let's start with Norwich. We see that they have an annual payroll of $21 million. So that would be uh, double that of Union Berlin and double that of, uh, of Middlesbrough, double that of Nashville FC. When we look at their actual payroll, we see that Josh is unconfirmed on this list. Uh, but through some digging, we can see that he's actually at 1.3. When we measure that up against what we the confirmed payrolls on the list, we see that, I mean, he's right in the top top 15-ish players on the squad. He's not really treated like he's the superstar at the club or anything like that. And I think that makes sense relative to where his salary sits 
within the club. Let's move to SC Dallas to check out Jesus Ferreira. Here they have a $12 million annual payroll. If we check out where Jesus sits, he's the second highest paid player on the club uh, with a set annual salary of $1.3 million. And I think what this shows us really is whenever we think about players transferring and, and like incentives for players transferring, whenever it comes to somebody like Jesus Ferreira and, and maybe even Matt Miazga or Walker Zimmerman, Guys in MLS who are making pretty decent money, you got to consider what options they have whenever they transfer. Because if you're Jesus Ferreira, are you going to transfer to a club that cannot pay you more than you're getting paid at your club right now? Probably not. That's probably not going to happen. You're probably not going to move halfway around the world, learn a new language, have to move away from your friends and family, everything that you've ever known to go to some um, industrial city in Germany or some small city in the Netherlands or something like that um, in, in order to hopefully make the roster and maybe get paid as much or less than you're getting paid right now. You need an increase to your salary. And for someone like Jesus Ferreira, who's on 1.3 million, the only way that you're going to get more than that is you'd have to go to a pretty decent sized club. Um, so it just, it makes it more and more difficult for someone like Jesus Ferreira to like really, really want a transfer out of Dallas. Uh, just considering the quality of life and the amount of money that he's getting paid in Dallas. I wonder if this is going to be more of an issue moving forward as uh, MLS grows and can offer these players more money. I mean, we do see that some of the younger players in MLS just don't get paid very much at all. They're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, so it still makes sense for them to make the jump. But if you're a little bit older and you're able to command a little bit more salary like Jesus Ferreira, it really narrows your options as to where you can move. Now for Haji Wright over in Turkey at Antalya Spor. Uh, first of all, let's check out the payroll. $5.8 million per year, which I think is the smallest club that we've looked at so far. It's smaller than Union Berlin. It's smaller than all the MLS clubs we've looked at. It's smaller than the championship clubs. I mean, it's half the it's half the annual payroll of uh, Nashville FC. It's half the, more than half of FC Dallas. It's, it's just not very big at all. Um, Haji Wright is unconfirmed. I looked this up from a, another source and um, Capology has the same thing. Uh, so 1.3 is estimated to be where it's at. It makes sense relative to where he's at um, within uh, the, the roster here. So he's one of the better players for, um, for Antalya Spore sitting at 1.3 million. So if you're like me at this point in the video, you're probably thinking, you know, there's still starters for the U.S. men's national team that haven't been mentioned yet. Where is Tim Weah? Where is Yunus Musa? They got to be coming up next, right? Wrong. It is actually Jordan Morris of the Seattle Sounders sitting at 1.2 million. Let's take a look at Seattle. They're sitting at a $14 million annual payroll. And Jordan Morris is the fourth highest paid player at the club on 1.25 million. Uh, just like Jesus Ferreira in that similar situation of um, a player getting paid so well over at, um, at for Seattle and MLS that like the prospect of moving to the championship for similar or the same amount of money or maybe a little bit more is just it can't be all that appealing to him. Um, so you it gives you more context as to why a player like Jordan Morris isn't more willing to make that move to Europe. At numbers 20, 21, and 22, we have another tie. And finally, we have Yunus Musa. But joining Yunus Musa at $1.1 million is Kellen Acosta, 
and Paul Ariola. Let's check out Valencia. First of all, their annual payroll is sitting at roughly $40.8 million, which means that their annual payroll is roughly the same as Fulham, even though Valencia is one of the bigger clubs in the Spanish Premier League outside of the big three, and Fulham is not one of the bigger clubs in England. Uh, so Yunus Musa's salary is actually unconfirmed. They have him at 1.5 on this site. Um, I, I saw from some other sites that it was 1.1 million, so that's kind of what I went for there. Um, Yunus Musa is one of these players that can absolutely make a big jump somewhere. I, I think if we look at Valencia, they actually, they, I mean, they pay players a lot more. You can see that they've got guys on 6 million, 5 million, 4 million. Um, so it seems like they absolutely have the budget to pay Yunus Musa a little bit more, but maybe they don't want to. Maybe they see his transfer value is very high right now. Maybe you can transfer Yunus Musa and bring in like two or three guys um, at a fairly decent payroll to kind of make up for what you're losing in Yunus Musa. I don't know. We've seen his name connected to uh, Inter Milan and some other big clubs out there. So maybe this is the, the incentive to make the move. As far as Paul Areola, I mean, we jump back to FC Dallas and we see right there 1.1 million, the fourth highest paid player um, for FC Dallas. So congratulations to that guy. Uh, Kellen Acosta is over at LAFC. And I know you probably think that LAFC is like one of the super clubs in MLS. They're really not. I mean, they're sitting at 14 million. Um, there's teams that pay a lot more than that. Maybe this number will jump up in the future, but I can tell you like Toronto FC pay is, payroll is at $36 million. They're an outlier in MLS, but um, still interesting nonetheless. Kellen Acosta, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. The sixth highest played player, highest paid player uh, at LAFC sitting at $1.1 million. Kellen Acosta, another one of those guys that I think wanted to make the move to Europe, but is it's in a sticky situation. He's making $1.1 million in MLS, living in LA, which is you know kind of nice. Um, what's his options moving to Europe? Can he go to a club like Valencia? Will they pay him $1.1 million? Will they pay him more than that? Is it worth his while to make that move to Europe? Is it too late in his career? It's a difficult economic situation for guys like this. We're getting paid really well in MLS. What's their value over in Europe? Can they maintain that value over in Europe? At number 26 and 27, it is two players that you're going to be surprised to hear at the same time. That is uh, Ricardo Pepe and Sebastian Legette. First with Sebastian Legette, we'll go back to FC Dallas. Uh, they have their $12 million per year payroll. Uh, Sebastian Legette is one, two, three, four, five, the sixth highest paid player on the club, sitting at 900 k so a veteran MLS player there for sure. When we check out Groningen of the Aris Divisi, uh, first of all, their annual payroll, I think is the lowest one we've seen so far at $3.9 million per year. Um, that would put them well below any MLS club in the league. Um, just you, you can see that for the Dutch league, the salaries drop off pretty tremendously. I mean, once you get past Ajax, the salaries drop off an absolute cliff. Even PSV is, is not as much as you would expect them to be. Uh, Ricardo Pepe is unconfirmed. Here in um, in Capology, they have him at uh, eighty eight thousand per eighty eight eight hundred eighty thousand per year. Um, my research has him at nine hundred thousand per year, but it's pretty fair to say that he's in that ballpark. Now he is on loan, so maybe he's getting money from his loan team or something like that, and and that's making up for it. I don't know exactly how those how those rules work, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's in this ballpark, considering that. When Ricardo Pepe was at FC Dallas, he was making around 100K a year. So even 
even to jump to 900K represents like a 9X change in your annual salary, which is something that I think anybody would jump at. Uh, so if he can continue to play well there, continue to score goals, I think he's he certainly can see a, a pretty big salary boost um, in the future for him. And let's just round out the list right here. I mean, at 28, we have Roldan at 800K. At 29, we finally get to Tim Weah at 280K. This was unconfirmed, but I had to find it in some various places, and they're pretty sure that's what he makes. Luca Della Torre at 257K, which is, I mean, there's several MLS players that are making more than that right now. And Joe Scali, unconfirmed also, unverified at 200K. Let's take a look at Tim Weah first of all, because 580K for Tim Weah sounds absolutely just absolutely crazy considering how good of a player he is. Let's take a, a, a deeper look. I mean, Lil is sitting at $16.8 million per year in annual payroll, which is not very strong at all. I mean, that would put them as um, one of the stronger MLS clubs, but not necessarily the strongest MLS club. Um, so that's sort of their buying power right there. If you look at how they're structured, um, Andre Gomez is getting $7 million, and then there's a massive drop-off to everybody else who's in the $1 million range. Um, they actually project Tim Weah at a little bit more at um, 700K. I think I have him at 500K. So he, he's either way, he's being projected at lower than a million dollars. And if you think about Tim Weah's career at Lille, he's just had so many injury issues. He struggled to get on the field at all. So it makes sense that he wouldn't be paid like a player who is getting on the field. And if you look at their team, the players who are getting on the field are only making a little bit more money um, at a million dollars and a little bit over. I mean, less than $2 million unless you're the highest paid player at the club. So, I mean, relative to what's actually happening over at Lil, it does make sense. But my goodness, does Tim Wea need a race? Like that man deserves to be paid way more money than he's being paid right now. It is absolutely, I mean, if this is accurate and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, I mean, all the sources point to something in this ballpark. What an absolute bargain out there for somebody. So I think we've talked enough about salaries. I think you guys are surprised as I was at, at some of these players and especially surprised at how competitive MLS salaries are relative to some of these salaries these guys are seeing in Europe. And hopefully when the next transfer window opens, you'll be a little bit more educated about how much the value of these players are and, and where they could actually fit in at these different clubs around the world, how much they could really be offered to, to go and play these different places, what their motivations might be for making these moves. Let me know in the comment section, what were you most surprised about? And I, I mean, for me, it has to be Tim Weah. I mean, that guy is getting paid criminally low amount of money. Uh, but let me know in the comment section. As always, si puede hablar espanol. Dame un comentario en espanol. If you want the Yank Report and podcast form, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button. If you want to take your support for the channel to the next level, you can become a member. Uh, membership gets you access to uh, the videos before they're published. You can get some badges, some cool stuff like that. Shout out to my tier two members, Manuel Arriveras, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVeigh, Mike Irish, Aaron M, and 427 Motorsport. Thank you guys so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.